Welcome to your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio.
And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 11 through 38. Here's a brief overview of some of what we'll be reading about here in the New Testament today. The Pharisees had tried to explain away Jesus' previous miracles by claiming they were done by luck, coincidence, or evil power. Well, here in Scripture we'll read about today, they demand a sign from heaven, something only God could do. Well, Jesus refused their demand because he knew that even this kind of miracle would not convince them. They had already decided not to believe. Well, Jesus rebuked the disciples for their hard hearts, his own disciples. Today, the hard hearts believe, number one, that uh, poverty is always caused by laziness. Helping the poor only enables them, they say. And number two, that worship is best conducted in one way, our way, which has worked very well for 40 years, thank you, and need not be changed. And number three, the hard hearts believe that evangelism doesn't apply. People will never change anyway, so we don't need to do it. Joining the hard hearts requires only one pledge. You must refuse to listen to Jesus' questions. Don't be a hard heart. Be open to Christ's truth and let Him soften your heart. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. February 26th, the New Testament. Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 38. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived... They came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out! Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the five thousand with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the four thousand with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them? When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't go back into the village on your way home. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? 
Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you're one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. Now, as the life of a deer depends upon water, so our lives depend upon God. Those who seek Him and long to understand Him find eternal life. Feeling separated from God, this psalmist wouldn't rest until he restored his relationship with God because he knew that his very life depended on it. Do you thirst for God? The writer of this psalm was discouraged because he was exiled to a place far from Jerusalem and could not worship in the temple. During these God-given holidays, the nation was to remember all that God had done for them. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. For the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before Him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan. From the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing His songs, praying to God, who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. 
I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray.
today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading is verses 7 through 9 of Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and saw my works for forty years. God repeatedly calls to His followers, but the condition of each heart affects the result. Those with soft and tender hearts hear His voice and yield to Him in obedience, but those with hard hearts resist His warnings and instructions. Surprisingly, upon hearing the same voice, believers will have different reactions. Since hardening is a slow process that is often accompanied by excuses and rationalizations, the danger signs may not be readily recognized. How do you respond when the Lord speaks to you through His Word, your conscience, or messages based on Scripture? Carefully consider the following characteristics of a hardening heart. Insensitivity or resistance to what the Lord says. Refusal to put yourself under His authority. Disobedience to what you know God is instructing you to do. Justification of sinful conduct. Resistance to the reproof of others. Preoccupation with the things of this world, career, relationships, possessions. Little interest in spiritual matters. Absence of private devotional time, Bible reading and prayer. Avoidance of corporate worship, gathering with other believers. A hard heart does not have to remain brittle. If you've discovered any of the above traits in your life, begin today to turn to the Lord. Ask Him to purify your heart and give you the desire to know Him. Remember, He specializes in making all things new.
Take my pride away Association with the Refuge Ministries presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, this next leadership principle is the principle of confrontation, and it's based upon Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. Oh, that's really good. You know, I've, I've, I've not always understood that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to confess that uh-huh. for years and years and years. I did not understand what it was to give a soft answer. I thought by the the toughness and the loudness uh-huh. and the, the strength that you spoke and you did things uh, that was the uh, uh, that was the way to handle conflict. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I was not trying to solve conflicts. I was trying to overcome, overpower conflicts, and that is a big difference. That's I can one. see that. Okay, let's look at our Lored business principle. When we are confronted by someone, our natural tendencies are to get defensive and argumentative. It is because we don't want to be proven wrong. To be wrong is considered humbling, and it hurts our pride. So we defend our position even when we know we are wrong or have exaggerated the truth. No one is always right in every situation. Yet all of us are usually partly right. It is the partly right which gets us into trouble. Man, that's the truth. That, that's really true. And up here it says that uh, we defend our positions even though we know we're wrong. I believe every person that listens to this tape will know that you've defended things when after you really knew that you were wrong. But it's that you just didn't want to admit it. Huh. I mean, I mean, you, you knew that you were wrong, and as soon as you got out of the argument or as soon as you got out of situations, you got by yourself, you felt bad about yourself. I mean, I mean that's just the way it works. I've been there, so I, I know how that works. Uh, because we, we are defensive creatures. Saying like uh, all of life is made in a defensive mode. It's self-defense is what it is, and so we do not like to be proven wrong. We we we. Uh, but th- this this tells us then that that we all know that we're partly right, uh-huh. and that is what causes us a problem. Then now there's a couple reasons why. Number one, since we know we are at least partly right, we open our mouth and freely give our opinions. That's right, because we're the way we are creatures. The way we're made is that, that we like to be recognized and we like to be praised. And so when we have an opinion and we know we are right on something, we like to express it. And uh, and rightfully so, it's the way we're designed to be. 
and we are partly right, but we may not know all the truth, but since we are partly right and we know something, we are free to give our opinions. Number two, once we have spoken our opinions, we are committed to defend our position. It's not easy to admit that we are wrong. Yeah, now that's where we get, that's why if, if we understand that we're partly right, then we defend that part and we don't want to let go of the other things that we may be wrong. My, my. And you know, that, I, that causes us so much problem. I think it's like when you make that statement, it's not who's right, it's what's right. That's, that's right. where this comes in. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. We cannot have good communication without good relationships. Good relationships give us the right to communicate our opinion without conflict. Poor communication destroys relationships, wastes a lot of time and energy, and hinders us in resolving problems. Right. Good relationships give us a right to communicate. Now, that's very important. <clears throat> you know, if when you're, when you're in a family, you, can, uh, you have the right to communicate because you're family members. You have right. Even if it's done wrong, even if you don't have the right skills, you have the right because they're family members. That's your relationship. But when you're outside of the family, if you're in business together, working together, you have the right, but not the same right that you do as a family member. And then when you go out into public, then then your rights dwindle more. You you have to be careful how much of those, that right you exercise. Uh, but the communications has to be based upon your relationship. Who do, when do you have the right to speak your opinion and uh, speak your voice? When do you have a right to override somebody? Or when are you infringing? Jesus said that we should forgive our trespasses as those that trespass against us, which means you don't you don't have the right to trespass against someone else if you don't understand that person, if you don't have a relationship. They have parameters that they have, and you have parameters, and you've got to be careful that you don't trespass against them. And uh, so our rights of communication and confrontation is based upon our relationship. It's very, very important. That's a subject in itself. You may win the argument but lose the battle or the point we are trying to make and possibly lose a friend in the process. When we have disagreements, which we all have, it's important to agree with thine adversary quickly, but equally important to manage and control the tone of our voice. A soft answer turns away wrath. When our response is soft and gentle, our opponents will respect us and consider our point of view. This gives us a chance to continue the discussion. It's amazing how powerful words are in the hands of those who know how to use them. The words, I'm sorry. That's very powerful, but when it comes from a soft, sensitive tongue, they're disarming. A soft, slow answer is more powerful than tanks and guns. Oh, yes. Oh, that, that, man, we could talk for hours on this one here. But I remember when I first read that, what Jesus said, agree with an adversary quickly. I, I did not understand that. It took me a long time to really get a hold of that, which means really that we can agree without necessarily agreeing. It, it, it means that we just agree with the expression, but not agreeing with the contents of that person, maybe. Uh, and the reason is because if you, if you don't have an agreeable spirit, you become in an argumentative mode right away. And as soon as you go into defense, you put the other person on defense. Then that builds walls. So Jesus said that we should uh, be quick to agree with an adversary. And then the word sorry, I remember when, when that really hit me, saying like... Uh, you know, some people say, well, I'm sorry. Yes. Well, you're wrong. You're really not. Yes, <laughs> no. It depends on how you say the words as to how communications work and how you handle conflict. I've, I've also noticed this, that, that when somebody's really getting loud and angry and, and talking and stuff like that, if you, just, if you just kind of be quiet and answer slow, 
and uh, and you know just kind of respect his authority, you know. And he responded that you can just calm that person down because, I mean, he just defeats himself. It's the way you handle it, yeah. There are three questions we should ask ourselves before we get into a debate. Number one, how enlightened am I on the subject? Don't show boastful, overconfident attitudes, but rather downplay your knowledge, and maybe they will be surprised. That's right. I like to use the words uh, when I get into a discussion with people out there. You know, I may not have all the answers. I, I like to start right off with that. You know, I'm going to give you my view. I, my, one of my favorite expressions is, I'll give you my view. It may not always be right, but I like to give my view, which means that you are not, you're not saying like, you're not forcing a person to believe what you is, but you, but he gives you the right to express your view. Number two, how much control do I have over my emotions? Refuse to let your anger control you. Breathe deep before you respond on the defense. We're talking about handling conflict. I mean, not conflict, but confrontation, how we do confrontation. And that is critical. Your emotions is absolutely critical. Even your body language is very, very critical in handling confrontation because you can you can actually take a person down from his high horse. You can really take him down and bring him down to a level uh, if, if you watch your emotions. Number three, do I know when to say, you know, you may be right, or that's an interesting point. All good communicators know how to humble themselves, and it's not wrong to say, I don't know, or I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I laugh at uh, politicians sometimes. They're taught, and even attorneys are taught, never admit anything. And uh, and it's not wrong to say. You, nobody knows everything, and don't pretend that you do. And and it's it's just helps conf- handle confrontations if you're uh-huh. allowed to say that. Yeah. The way we handle our words may determine war or peace, friends or enemies, success or failure. We must remember that in life it's better to get part of something than nothing at all. The man who knows that he knows does not have to scream or get loud and abrasive. If he does, it may be a sign of his insecurity. It may be very embarrassing to be wrong at the top of your voice. <laughs> I've that been is there. so true. <laughs> My, I think <laughs> we all there. have. <laughs> Uh, but it was a learning experience. You know, I believe everybody can say that that was been true, you know. We can avoid a lot of problems and be more productive by giving soft answers to those who are arrogant. When discussions create more heat than light, it is time to return to a soft answer and let others embarrass themselves with their loudness. You've seen that happen, huh? Oh, yes. Saying like, saying, uh, I use that phrase a lot, saying like, saying, if a discussion creates more heat than light, then it's not a discussion anymore. Then, then you're already in the fight, and you don't get. You're already in a defensive mode when when that happens, and when you're in a defensive mode, you 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 may win and you may leave the argument, and the uh, confrontation. You may leave that and feel good about yourself, saying like I won, but you really didn't win unless you still had good communication with that person. So. It's not a matter of it's not a matter of winning the argument. It's a matter of winning the influence. You know, John, w- one of the things that hits me. I remember we were in um, in Switzerland, and there was a, a great. It was a Nobel Pre- Peace Prize winner, and he was saying there's only two things that a computer will never be able to do. One was to lead, and the other was to resolve conflict mm-hmm. or confront. Right. And uh, that is one of your gifts. That is absolutely a gift. How how do we develop that? I, I believe uh, it's a learning experience. I don't think that you. I, I don't think you. You, you can just. Uh, you don't inherit it. You know. I, I believe it's a learning experience. In my 
a position that I was. I, I was very argumentative. I was very much of a fighter and a scrapper. And then I learned that that's not going to get you somewhere. That So I had a desire to get somewhere, and so I had, to, I, I had to learn how to communicate with people and how to get the best out of people. And it took, and so it taught me to say, I, I got to take a look at myself. And I looked in the mirror and said, like, John, you got to make some changes and you got to change some of your strategies. And uh, here's, here's something that, uh, that I believe that really helped me then. It said, we should never walk away without establishing a peaceful closure. You should never walk away without having some type of a wow. peaceful closure to it. If you walk away in, in a, from a meeting without a peaceful closure, you're wrong. I'm sorry, but you're just wrong. That that that's wrong to walk away from that. You should you should be able to shake a person's hand and say like you know we may not agree on everything, uh, but uh, there's room for that you know. Uh, so, uh, I, and I just believe that that's true. You can leave your point of view strong in another person, but you should have some type of a closure that's right. John, as we recap the principle of confrontation, give us some ideas and insight. First, we have to understand that there's really a value in uh, confrontations. I mean, there there really is a value. A lot of people don't see a value. They think it's all wasted. But there's a lesson to be learned in, from confrontations. Uh, but uh, a soft answer, the way you handle that is a soft answer, or a smile is power. So if somebody's arguing with you and, you know, and you know you're right, but you're trying to convince a person. If you smile and give a soft answer and just smile, it it just diffuses everything, and it, it will tell the person that you know that you know that you know, because he's not make winning in it. I'm always reminded of uh, the uh, the story about uh, Jacob when he wrestled with the angel, and then when he was finished, God said, "I've given you power with man and God." And that's really what it is, is learning to when to push, when to pull, and when to, how to respond to it. A smile and a soft answer deals with that confrontation.
trying to follow I'm trying my best to do what you said But what about tomorrow? Are you sure I'm not in over my head? Everything is changing all around me Is this the ending of a dream? I thought I was doing what you wanted But isn't as easy And that does it for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.